Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. You may be seated if you want to. If you really have to. Well, you could just stand with me for the next three hours. Do I have your attention? So I want to start off asking us a couple of questions. So can we be honest and transparent with one another? I mean, we are in church. I don't know about you. I sense the presence of God here. Right. So can we just be honest with one another and transparent and answer these couple of questions? So with a show of hands, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. OK, you ready? Have you ever been excited to obey God only to find halfway through the journey that God seems so distant and you start growing weary? Is anybody? Oh, praise I was hoping I was making sure I was in the right church. I was making sure I was in the right church. Praise God. I'm not alone. So another question, have you ever found yourself in a completely unexpected place wondering if God really does have the situation under control? (laughs) Hallelujah. So that means this message is for all of us. So if we reading about the wise men, I wonder what they were thinking when they were on this long journey to see Jesus, they stepped out in obedience. They stepped out in faith only to come to Jerusalem and not find what they were looking for. To not find what they were looking for. I mean, just think about the excitement when they saw the stars. They was like, oh, the prophecy has been fulfilled. Jesus is here. Our Lord is here. So they packed up their families and they went, they traveled so far to see Jesus and they get to the point, they get to Jerusalem and he was not there. So they started to ask questions. They started to ask people, have you, have you seen him? Have you seen the promise? Have you seen baby Jesus? You know, the, the one that's supposed to be our ruler. Have you, have you seen him? They were asking people questions. Have, have you seen him? Have you seen him? You know, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes, right? Um, when, when you expect things, God sends you, you see the promise, right? God shows you the promise, right? But you don't see the evidence of it. Sometimes I feel like God is so distant. Right. When we're praying and we're, we're hoping for something, God feels so distant. We can see the promise, this, the sign of the promise, I should say, but not the evidence of it. So that's what they were in. They were in a tough spot. Sometimes I feel like I'm in Jerusalem. <laughs> right? I saw the sign of the promise, but I don't see the evidence of it. The evidence of it. Are you with me so far? So this is what this is what they were they were going through here. Right. So they were they were so excited that they saw the sign and they came. They traveled so far. And then all of a sudden, Jesus. Was not there. 
So what do you do? Like, what do you do at this point? Well, what did they do? What did they do? They kept going. They just kept going. I said they just kept going. See, this was a different type of focus that they had, right? They focused on the promise and not the problem. So they, just, so they just kept going. They just kept going. They concluded that their call to worship was greater than the cost of the journey. Their call to worship was greater than the cost of the journey. This power and just keep going. It's power in moving forward, right? It's power in that. The greatest weapon against worry is worship. The greatest weapon against doubt is moving forward. And move, they, just kept, they just kept going. They were just focused. And this is what our journey should be like. Just focus on the sign of the promise. Focus. They have this focus. They say, okay, well, God said it. I am still going to move forward. So they kept going on the journey. They did not grow weary. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary in due season. No, it says, let us not grow weary. I love this part. This is my favorite part. While doing good. Because in due season, you shall reap. If... In the Bible, it's always the if. If we don't lose heart. So he said, let us not grow weary while doing good, while doing God's work. Because in due season, you shall reap. Let us not lose heart. Don't 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 lose heart. So Paul was speaking to the Galatians. He was saying, don't ever... Don't ever get weary doing God's work. Don't get weary doing God's work, right? Paul urges the Galatians to keep living in the way that is consistent what they believe. Right? Be consistent of what you believe, every, even when you don't feel it. <laughs> That's so powerful. And I love what Paul says. He used the word grow, grow. Let us not grow weary. What does that mean? Well, that means that weariness just doesn't happen. It grows over time. It doesn't just happen. It grows over time. Right? So what, what does that mean? So how do, how do we actually grow weary? Well, if you back up a scripture, in verse 8 it says, if you sow to the flesh, you reap from the flesh. If you sow to the spirit, you will reap from the spirit. So that means if you don't sow to the spirit, you can get weary while doing God's work. <laughs> right? He says, Do, let us not grow 
grow weary. That, that means we have to continue to, to feed the spirit man. Feed the spirit man. Because if we go by what we see, we become weary. But here's the wise men. They didn't go by what they saw. They, 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 go by what they, they went by what they believed. They said, we saw the sign of the promise. And that sign we will follow. So despite what we see, we will continue to move forward. I bind the spirit of weariness. It is the plot of the enemy. Amen. You have to war against weariness. Amen. Your worship is, is, your, is your weapon against weariness. You fight in the spirit realm. Amen. The enemy wants to steal your worship. He wants to steal your worship. If he takes your worship, he takes your life. If he takes your worship, he steals your promise. Fight against weariness. Amen. Come on. Give God some praise. Come on. It's amazing. The journey. I want us to focus on our journey in serving God. I think the wise men is teaching us something here. They're teaching us something here. So I want to talk about the call. They answered the call to worship. I love it. They answered the call to worship. So there's three ways they answered the call to worship. You ready? The first one, they counted the cost of worship. Mm. See, the wise men were most likely Gentiles, right, living in a culture that just didn't believe in the one true God. So it was, it was hard for them, imagine, and being around people that who just don't believe. So, they, so think about it. Jesus was just born, and how many, do we know how many people actually heard of the, the coming of Jesus at, at that point, right? Well, even if they heard of him, did they actually believe it? So, so, I mean, so to the wise men, they probably look like idiots, right? Because they, what they do, they, they heard about the promise, right? So they packed up their family, and they started on this journey. So people around them were just like, these guys are fools. These, these, these guys, it, trust me, if you have not been called an idiot while serving God, then you're not doing something right. Because people are going to hate you because you serve God. If no one hates you but serving God, then you've got to up your game. <laughs> oh, imagine. So they was just like, they, they heard about this. They saw the, the sign of the promise. So they just packed up the family and they started to go. That was probably very unpopular for them. But despite of that, despite of the, the, the people's disbelief, they placed their trust in God. So they must have somehow got a hold of the prophecies in the Old Testament. Maybe they were reading Daniel or Isaiah when they, when they prophesied the coming of Jesus. Amen. And their hearts really connected to that promise, to that, those prophecies. Amen? So they went and they traveled so far just to worship Jesus. How far will you go to worship Jesus? 
Worship will cost you. It will cost you. See, true worship is a lifestyle that is worship to God. That's true worship. It's a, it's a lifestyle that is a worship to God. The cost of worship is our will, our desire, our habits, our talents, our gifts, our whole being. That's worship to God. God wants it all. He wants our will. He wants our desire. He wants our gifts and our talents, our habits. That's worship to God. Amen? That's true worship. So John 4, 22, my wife really broke down this text uh, last week. And so I'm going to add to it a little bit. He said, you worship what you don't, do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. I love it when it says, but the hour is coming. But now is. Now is, like right now is the time where we should worship God in spirit and truth. Now is the time. That is what God is looking for. He's looking for true worshipers who worships him in spirit and in truth. What does that actually mean? To worship him in spirit and in truth. To worship God in spirit is to have a heart that is seeking a spiritual relationship with God. To worship him in spirit is God is to worship, if God wants your whole heart. That's why the Bible says to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, everything. It's that God wants your whole heart. That is what it means to worship him in spirit, right? So our worship to God is directed by the, our love for him. So worship, to, uh, when we worship God, to worship God in truth is to worship him in the, uh, in the following the truth of his word. It's to follow the truth of his word, right? If there is no knowledge of God, then there is no truth. So that's why it starts off in saying that you, you don't know, you worship what you don't know, but you know what you, what you worship. So if, you don't, if, if there is no truth, if there's no knowledge of God, then there is no truth. And truth without spirit, right, can result in a dry relationship with God. That's why he's saying that. To work, he's looking for those who worship him in truth and in spirit. So those that love me with all of their hearts, Right? And they believe and they follow the truth. That is, that's what he's looking for. Those who worship him in spirit and the truth. 
He's looking for truth. That is true worshipers. Are you with me so far? Don't let the enemy steal your worship. Don't let the enemy steal your worship. True worshipers walk in the spirit and in truth. It's, you know it's important that people see the truth in you? It's important that people see God's truth in you. One that deep. But it's true. People need to see that we truly love God. The evidence. They need to see we truly love God. And we walk in truth. We walk in his word. And his word is manifested in our lives. This life is a journey. Sometimes that journey weighs us down just by, by the situations that, that we are in, problems that we have. But we keep going on the journey. We keep going when we worship God in spirit and in truth. In spirit and the truth. God will always show himself for worshipers that worship him in spirit and truth. Spirit, and no matter what you're going through in life, this is a long journey. God say, just worship, God saying, just worship me in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. He will always manifest himself. He will always manifest himself. If we worship him in spirit and truth, that's that's how we fight against weariness. We fight against weariness. God will always show up. God will always show up in our lives. Are you, are you with me so far? Come on. Come on. So they counted the cost of worship. It's like, God, just, here you go. I give you my will. I give you my desire. I give you my talents, my gifts. Have you ever had a pity party? And you invited God to the pity party? Like, and sometimes you feel like your beef with him is, is, is justified. Like, you, you feel like you have a good one. Like, you, you know, like, he needs to sit down and listen to what you have to say. Right? Because am I the only one here? Right? Sometimes you just feel like, you know, you, gotta pick, you, got, some, you got some things that you want to share with the Lord. Right? It never really works out the way that you think. I've tried it. Yeah, I just had one the other day. This is a pity party. God was just like, he reminded me of the promise. It's like, why, why do I even get to this point in my life? I don't know why I get to this point, because you already know what God has to say to you is going to blow you away. Right, so I invited him to my pity party. It didn't really work out the way that I thought it would. But he reminded me of the promise. So he says to me, and I share this with a couple of these, he says to me, son, because praying for the church and, and all that, and, um, he said, son, count all the locations for the church all the locations that you've been having services for a season. So not for those that have been with us for a little while, you know we had some pit stops along the way, right? 
at a service here and there. We're not talking about those places. Places that we call our home, right? He says, he says to count all the places that you had services, you called home. So I counted. Seven, this is our seventh location. So God reminded me that the number seven, a little bit biblical term, is the, the uh, number of completion or perfection. God is the perfecter of our faith. He says, son, what I'm doing in your life, in the life of the church, I am perfecting you. And you are being completed. This season, this journey that you're, you're on is being completed. But this is, this is the best part. This is the best part. He says the eighth location, the next location will be your eighth location. The number eight in biblical terms is the number of new beginnings. I'm excited for the new beginning. I'm excited for the new beginning of this church. I'm excited. So there goes my pity party. So allow God to perfect us. Allow God to complete the work that he actually started. He is not done yet. He is not done with the church. He is not done with your life. He said, no, just hold on for a second. Just sit there and allow me to complete the work. Don't go by what you see. I'm about to complete something, and then you are about to step in to that eighth location. You're about to step in that new beginning. Come on, that's a shouting stuff for me. I'm excited about the eighth location. So I promise the Lord I won't ever have a pity party any longer. So they counted the cost of worship. And then the second thing they did, they counted the cost of following God. Mm. So it took them about three years, I mean, two years, to, to get to Jesus. They traveled about two years. That was a long journey. But they knew it was worth it. See, what I realized that their worship to Jesus did not begin when they saw him, it began on the journey. It started on the journey. It started on the journey. It was their pursuit of Jesus. It was the pursuit, them pursuing him. Are you with me? See, following God at all costs is difficult. It's a decision that does not come lightly, but can enrich your life beyond what you can imagine. But we must count the cost of following him. That is the challenge. We must count the cost of following him. In Luke 14, verse 26, it says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, yes, his own life. Also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot 
be my disciple. For which of you attending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it. So here's Jesus. This is tough right here. Here's Jesus lays out the terms of disciples. So you have to understand what's going on here. It's a crowd of people following Jesus, and they love the miracles that he, that he performed, right? I mean, Jesus was the bomb. They, they, were, they were following him. I mean, he, they were just like, they were just in awe of all the, all the miracles that he was, he was performing, and they loved the healing and even the free food. You know, he, you know, he fed everybody. They, they loved everything. He was the talk of the town. He was the latest fad. Like, he's like, man, you've got to be with this guy. He was, he was the bomb, right? But Jesus knew their hearts. He knew their hearts. He knew that they desired the benefits of what he did rather than the understanding of who he was. See, they loved the gifts, but not the life that he was calling them to. So he explained he explained what it takes to be a follower. He explained what it takes to be a disciple. He explained. So first, he used some extreme language. He was just like, you need to hate everybody. Your mama, your daddy, your sister, your brother. Matter of fact, you even need to hate yourself. The God is God of love. Like, oh my gosh, why would Jesus say a thing like that? He's nothing but about love. He loves us so much. He gave us life. Like, why would Jesus say this? Did he, was he ha did he have a bad day? Was he upset at the people in the crowd? Did he have a bad day? Was he upset? He's telling everybody just to hate one another. Hate yourself and hate everybody around you. What, what's going on, Jesus? What is he saying? He is saying, that I'm going to call you to do something that's going to look like hate to your family. So Jesus deserves priority over every relationship in our life. So if we compare our, our relationship to our relationship with Jesus, it should look like hate. Everyone else's relationship with you, your relationship with everyone else should look like hate compared to Jesus. Jesus should be your first priority. Make sense? If you must choose between Jesus and your family, Jesus must always win. Because your family may not follow him. That's not the life he wants for you. So you got to hate that life. You must follow him. Make sense? So he still loves us. He, lo he doesn't want us to hate people. Then he says another extreme word or words, language. He says, bear your cross and follow me. If you don't bear your cross, you're not my disciple. So he says to bear your cross, it means to identify with him. So basically, so when you bear your cross, that means you're going to go through struggles in life. And are you willing to go through those struggles? Because sometimes we may have setbacks. And, and long, drawn-out struggles. He's at, he is saying to you, you must count the cost. If you're going to count the cost, because you, you're going to have to bear your cross, you may have to go through long and drawn-out struggles. Are you willing to go through those things and still believe? And still believe and still follow him? Are you willing to do, do those things? Are we willing to remain committed to that struggle to the end? And regardless of our personal sacrifice, it may take. 
So how do we, so it was a question that I did, did have, right? So how do we count the costs when you don't know what's coming in your life? Hey, he says to count, count the cost, but how do you count the cost when you don't know what's actually coming? See, Jesus wants upfront commitment. So he wants, he's not just talking about new believers. He's not just talking about new followers. He ta he's talking about people that's been following him for a while. He said he wants upfront commitment. He wants, he requires commitment to the highest possible costs. That way you won't be caught off guard when you face adversity, when you, when, you, when you face trouble, you don't get caught off guard because you're already sold out. You already said, Jesus, I will serve you regardless of the cost. I am all yours. So it's like, it's like having credit. Give your life on credit. At all costs, it doesn't matter. It don't matter the circumstances. It don't matter what I go through. I am all sold out for Christ. So he says you, you must count the cost. You must count the cost because every day it's not going to be okay. It's just not. It's not. It's not. But he's saying he wants us to persevere through those things. Right? He's going to show up. He's going to show up eventually. We just keep going on our journey. We keep, you confuse the enemy with your worship, your lifestyle, right? Your, your lifestyle should be confusing to the enemy. It's like, why are you still moving forward when everything around you is hectic? So keep going. You keep going. That's worship. That's true worship, right? We keep going despite of our circumstances. We keep going in spite of our circumstances, right? We keep going. We keep going. That's worship. That's worship. So our commitment to Jesus must be total. I love this. Being a disciple of Christ is about following through with your commitment to him. <laughs> so I love the example he, he gives. He says uh, following him is like building a tower and you don't want to leave it unfinished. So you don't start walking with him, that all of a sudden, you start walking with him, he sends you to a place, or he gives you a task, and you, don't, you start fulfilling it, that project, you start doing that project, and all of a sudden it gets too hard, and you say, oh. then it's unfinished. Say, no, no, don't do that. You continue with it. Count the cost to make sure that you can actually do it. Yeah. Are you with me? It's the third thing. I'm going to go. They counted the cost of honoring God. They counted the cost. They honored him with a gift. honor him with gold. And it's easy to see why gold was an appropriate for, uh, gift for Jesus because gold is a medal of kings. Mm. It's a medal of kings. So when they presented this, this, this gold to Jesus, they acknowledge him as the king 
of all kings and the Lord of all lords. They were actually giving him their hearts. So they gave, every, they gave Jesus everything that they had. They gave him gold. They said, you are my king. Nothing else mattered. You are my king. So giving them the, the gold was like them giving him their hearts. Because Jesus says, where your, heart, where your treasure is, there is your heart. Yeah. Right? Did I say that right? Yeah. You're right? So, so, he gave, so he's saying, so they basically saying that, Jesus, you have every, I give you all areas of my life. I give you everything. So this is, the, this is an amazing moment. So they traveled for two years just to worship him. They're saying that when you grow up, I want you to know now my life is yours. My, my, my life is yours. And nothing, nothing, nothing is getting in the way of that. God wants to be the Lord over your life, not just with words, but also with actions. So they worshiped, worshiped him. They honored him. They put him in, the, they put him in its rightful, rightful place in their hearts, that he can rule and reign in their hearts. And that's what God wants from us, to rule and reign in our hearts. The heart thing. Who's the heart right here? So this way? The heart. Well, my, mine is big. I have a big heart, so mine's right here. So. <laughs> to rule and reign in the hearts. That's what God wants us. They counted the cost of their honor to God. And what do, what do we have? What do we have to give to Jesus? So they brought their gifts and they laid it before him. What do we have? Then they say, okay, well, now we give him our life. So what we have to give to God right now is our life. That's all he wants. He wants our life. Can you stand?